I think we're really lucky to have this really unique relationship with these other space exploration companies to be helping us do what we want to do, which is explore the final frontier. This is the Sciences Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration only on MarketScale. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'd like to introduce our guest, Ed McNichol. He is the video operations manager on contract for the Ocean Exploration Trust. And Ed is coming on to chat with us about video production in extreme environments and the tech needed to make that happen, as well as what the market trends are. Are there more videos being produced that are needing of this kind of technology? And how might a basic terrestrial video operation benefit from the expertise of the oceanographic community. Ed, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me here. You know, I'm not going to lie. When I read up on your bio and I saw what we were going to be talking about today, I just couldn't help but rewatch some of my favorite episodes of Planet Earth, Planet Earth 2, just to sort of prep myself and just seeing the evolution from the first nature documentaries even you know just 10 years ago to seeing what cameras can capture now in the air underwater uh, on land is just blowing my mind and it's exciting that we're going to get to dig into the technical aspects of how this video production is even possible when you start to get into deep trenches when you start to get into volcanic activity when you start to get into extreme heat it's all very very interesting i gotta ask you before we jump in is there a favorite episode of yours from planet earth or blue planet any of those nature documentaries wow that's a really great question and we do get asked that a lot (laughs) um i I I have to cheat a little bit and go with my stock answer which is the the most fascinating thing i've ever seen at the bottom of the ocean is what we're just about to see next. Ooh. Uh, it's just such a mystery. And yeah. whatever's just outside the reach of our lights, no matter how tired I am at sea, that's what keeps me energized and engaged because it's such an unknown. Uh, so I, I can't fall back and say there's any one particular thing I've seen that stands out because it's all such a magical mis- mis- uh, such a magical, mysterious area of our planet. Well, and when you think about the fact that only 5% of the world's seafloor has even been mapped in detail, you really start to get a feel for, you know, ocean exploration and ocean videography has only scratched the surface. And like you said, what we're going to discover tomorrow is probably more exciting than what we're looking at today. So there's a plethora of opportunity there, and a lot of that has to do with how the technology continues to evolve. So let's just jump right in and talk a bit about the tech needed for these underwater uh, explorations and video productions. I think first we need to get a little bit of context for the history Uh, How have you seen over the last 10 years, let's say, uh, technology evolve to allow whole video production teams to really capture life under the water? Yeah, that's a great question. So just for big picture, uh, the Ocean Exploration Trust conducts pure ocean exploration in parts of the world's oceans that nobody's ever seen before. So using our exploration vessel Nautilus, we travel around the world and go and look at the bottom of the ocean and characterize the geology and the biology that's found down there. 
And the trust uses remotely operated vehicles. These are tethered to the vessel and they drop down and ROVs nowadays typically can go to about 6,000 meters of depth, about four and a half miles down and operate. Once you get past about a thousand meters, there is no measurable daylight in the ocean whatsoever. It is a black, dark void. So we have to bring all of our electricity, our manipulators, our lights, our cameras, et cetera. And when we operate at that depth, there is about 10,000 pounds of pressure per square inch on every exposed surface. Huh. Um, Which is pretty, and the, pretty brutal. The ambient temperature in the world's oceans, if you get deep enough, no matter where you go, Tahiti, Hawaii, the North Pole, you name it, the temperature of the water is two degrees Celsius, almost always. You get to 6,000 meters, that's the temperature. So it's it's a really challenging environment. And where technology has really changed over the last 10 years is obviously in camera technology and image quality, but the real change really is in telecommunications. With satellite dishes now that are able to work on a vessel, which is an amazing feat in and of itself, we're able to send back multiple streams of high definition video in pristine quality so that we can have shoreside colleagues directing operations at sea. Wow, interesting. And, and that's really big for our clients because we may go out to sea for a month. And in that month, for one day, we're going to be looking at a potential shipwreck. We can't bring 30 naval architects and naval historians and maritime historians along with us for that entire month just to participate for a day. So using that, that, that vessel, the ROVs, and the satellite technology, we combine all of them into a use of technology that we call telepresence. So it lets these remote parties participate in our work as if they were on board. And then there's a huge education and outreach component of the Ocean Exploration Trust mission that we accomplish with this satellite as well, because we provide these streams live in real time to a global audience online. Which is pretty incredible that you can bring in all those people to provide insight while you're capturing the footage. That way you're not wasting valuable production shoot days. Because I mean, anyone that is in any part of the film industry knows that nothing cripples a movie or a, a production more than lack of time and lack of money. So if you run out of valuable shooting days, you can't just extend the shooting period. And that just grows exponentially when you bring in the fact that you're trying to capture potentially very natural flow of nature. Um, I mean, trying to get a hold of animals that only show up in this area for a day or two, right? You don't have the resources to shoot, go back, double check with any other experts about, oh, you should try and get this because this is important. You go back out, you film again. You just don't have that luxury. So it's interesting that this technology is allowing for a smoother production process. What are some of the tangible benefits that you've seen from your projects of having those experts, having those historians be able to watch and help direct the production process? And give me a few examples if you could. Well, uh, there's unlimited number of examples. I'll, I'll give you just a few. So if uh, there was an occasion working in, uh, I think it was the Gulf of Mexico, where we came across a sea star 
that was unknown to us and possibly a new species. But we didn't know if this was a common thing, should we collect this sample, et cetera. And so through the use of telepresence, we're able to ring up one of the world's renowned sea star experts, Dr. Christopher Ma at the Smithsonian, and consult with him. He can turn on his computer and he can look at exactly what we're looking at and say, oh, that's common. I have a sample here in my office. Or he can say, I want that and end up collecting the first known uh, example of a, a new species. I've been working on projects where we are uh, placing an instrument on the sea floor to collect data. And we've had a scientist in Germany uh, directing our activity. Um, there's, that's really the bread and butter of what we do is we find something and we engage one of the experts in the world to help determine what they need to better understand what it is we're seeing. And as you said, there's no reshoots. I don't care how, what unlimited resources you may or may not have. What we see may be the one and only time humans have ever seen that species. And so what my team does on the vessel is critical. That's got to be in focus. It has to be recorded. And it, it needs to be transmitted out to these experts. Um, and so we have 48 people on the vessel, and they are all there to go out to sea and capture those images and make these discoveries. And there's no going back and doing it again. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I can only imagine having a job with that much stress, but at the same time, that much reward for the kind of work you do that, I mean, I, I can only imagine it sounds amazing. And it really gets me thinking too, you said that there's been a lot of changes in the technology, specifically the telecommunications. Uh, is there a lot of training that then has to go back into getting your staff prepped for these operations? I mean, I know the answer is obviously yes, there is a lot of training that goes into it, but in the day-to-day, -day, as the technology changes and advances, are there a lot of um, new obstacles that they then have to prep themselves for and train for so that they're ready for the field? Well, the real key when you're dealing with such critical deliverables as our video operations team is to create the structure and the processes to make sure that you get it right every single time. And so to do that, I've created uh, naming schemas and procedural checklists that we go through all the time. I've been in video production for more than 35 years now. I've been on more than 40 international expeditions. I still use those checklists every single time I get ready for an ROV dive. And that's how we make sure we do it right. The Ocean Exploration Trust is part of their core mission is to train the next generation of technicians and scientists and researchers. And so I will, as part of my team, bring out a number of interns every year who may have shot some videos with the DSLR, and now they're controlling millions of dollars worth of equipment, and they are completely responsible in the same fashion I am. And so we have a great training program, and not only do we train people to do this and do it right, but we also engage and mentor them to get their careers started. So let's dig into the market itself for the this extreme condition video production technology. Uh, walk me through, I guess just over the last few years, we'll keep it pretty recent. Have you seen an uptick in video productions that require this kind of technology? Um, and why do you think that might be? Yeah, there has been a lot more work happening in the deep sea. In uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, a scientist or a researcher would have to spend about a year 
building up the funds to be able to afford to go out to sea for about two weeks. And during that time, they would collect single point in time measurements and then have to spend the rest of that year working with that data and getting enough in, you know, funding to go and do it again. But now, interestingly enough, and I, I can't tell you why this is, but I can tell you it exists, the deep sea has become very engaging to people with great resources, uh, such as uh, Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft, who recently passed. He has uh, engaged a lot of resources in finding things, uh, especially maritime heritage uh, things uh, at the bottom of the ocean. He's, his uh, research vessel Petrol has just made another discovery yesterday. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon has engaged in the deep sea, recovering some of the original Apollo engines from the bottom of the sea. Um, there's there's uh, no shortage of this. Um, Eric Schmidt of Alphabet, uh, the parent company of Google, has established the Schmidt Ocean Institute, and they also conduct ocean exploration and research from their uh, vessel, the Falcor. So yeah, there's, there's more and more happening. Um, however, one of the challenges we face is that in these extreme environments, you can't just take an off-the-shelf camera and put it in a, a dome and send it to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, uh, if you're lucky, you'll recover a couple little tiny fragments at the end of the day. So because of that, we, we generally lag three to 10 years behind the market as far as our imaging technology goes. Now, there are starting to become 4K imagers out there, and there's a lot to, lot to happen in that arena. That's probably where the biggest change will happen in the next five years. Um, but it's, it's becoming a more crowded arena. And uh, that's a great thing. Having more people out there doing more work just contributes to the body of knowledge about the world's oceans. You're filming so much content. It must honestly be kind of a nightmare to sift through it all and be like, what do we actually turn into something people are going to want to see or what is actually useful here? I mean, when you're digging through petabytes, like you said, for a whole season, that can be pretty daunting. Absolutely. So in our previous model, the vessel would record using enterprise level video recorders like you would find in a television station or a broadcast facility anywhere. And those were recording in a lower bit rate MPEG-2 file format. And that was the one and only format that was recorded. And at the end of the day, we took that content and we copied it onto a couple LTO tapes, just following best practices for digital asset protection. And those would go back to our shore facility in Rhode Island, at the University of Rhode Island. And they would be ingested into a large array there and we would have a staff that would go through those and not only catalog and uh, select things to put use in other content, but they would create proxies for those. They would transcode those in a CPU intensive process into a much more pliable, smaller file format that we would deliver to some of the scientists who had been on board for that mission. What that meant was people would come out to see and work with us and six or nine months later, get the footage that we had captured the previous week with them. And that, that was one of the things we set out to solve. I also, with my background, really wanted to get us onto a professional, robust codec 
that had longevity. That meant this content could be repurposed, reused, resold in two, three, five, ten years and get away from that MPEG-2 format. And in looking around, we looked at a lot of people and just coming, it came down to the fact that these are critical once in a lifetime opportunities that we're capturing. And some of the unique challenges we have working at C are that we can't get resupplied. You can't send us a part, you can't ship us anything, we can't ship you anything, and it has to work. So, you know, that, that's a pretty high bar. Uh, I can't have something that might fail or might not fail, or you have to carry 12 spares to make it work. And so what Cinedec delivered to us was an upgrade to the Apple ProRes codec, uh, which has worked out wonderfully for us. In addition, Cinedec has the absolutely unique capability of recording in real time in three different codecs for each video signal that you're recording. So we record in two proxy formats and our scientists now, when we come back in the port, they leave the vessel with the files of everything we recorded for the last month and they have it with them as they walk down the gangway. And that's been a wonderful change and our clients and end users and partners have uh, really been impacted by that change. Yeah, well, I mean, just the speed of the delivery, uh, that one small change must revolutionize just how you get that content out and how you can begin to sift through it. Yeah, and and I, I can't emphasize enough that uh, being out at sea, being a thousand miles from the nearest piece of land and it being a week to get back to port, um, it has to work. And I have to build a workflow that anticipates and accommodates a failure of any piece of gear. So when we design our systems, we try and eliminate any single point of failure. If it has to exist for whatever reason, then we make sure we have a spare of that device. So we sail with two Cinedec recorders and we run each one at 50% of capacity. We can use, using each recorder, can record two signals in three codecs at once. So we can do an entire mission on just one of those. Um, in addition to knowing that myself, all of our video engineers who come on board are equipped with an operator's handbook, much like you would find a pilot's operating handbook in the cockpit of an aircraft, that when they have a problem, uh, they can open up to you know, that page and there are you know, the five steps you have to do to recover from that failure. Most failures, if we have any at all in the middle of operations, will affect our operation for maybe one to two minutes. Um, now, it helps that obviously we always have a lead engineer, typically myself on board, and I'm never more than 40 seconds away. Uh, uh, but we, we really have been very happy with what we've been able to do with the previous recording system. We, uh, they, the trust before I, I became engaged with them, uh, had times where they had content that was not recorded. And I'm happy to say for the entire 2018 field season, uh, we lost no content at all using Cinedex. So, I mean, in this industry, you really don't have room for mistakes and you don't want to count on anything working for you. You just have to ensure it 
with every step of the process. It's very much a proactive industry because the content that you're getting, there is no way you can be reactive. It's all very much, you know, or if you are reactive, you have seconds to be reactive and you don't have time to really plan out. So you have to do everything proactively. And I think that makes for probably better content, especially when you have those people on your side through uh, the telecommunications aspect of this extreme environment video production, giving you your insight, helping you through the process and letting you know, yes, please divert your camera over in that direction and capture that sea star because we've never seen it before. Um, It's a really incredible thing. And to wrap things up, I guess I just wanted to ask you, where do you see the market going in the future? Uh, Do you see consumer needs and wants for this kind of video footage to increase and continue to push things forward? Do you think there is going to be a more federal push for this kind of exploration, like from a gubernatorial level? Uh, Or do you think that it's mostly going to be funded by private dollars? Like you said, a lot of big name people who just have a personal passion for exploring the seas. Yeah, there's definitely uh, been technologies that have been developed for the deep sea that are now available uh, more at a commercial level. So somebody who owns a fishing vessel or uh, a fleet um, now that operates inland waters, they used to have to bring uh, uh, salvage divers out to conduct hole inspections, et cetera. And now you can get little tiny remotely operated vehicles with cameras that you can go and do this work without having to do that. So there is like NASA was inventing technology like Velcro that then found its way into the consumer market. Things from the deep sea are finding their way. And and there are a lot of government efforts in this regard. Uh, The United States government has an entire vessel, the Okeanos Explorer operated by NOAA that is devoted to ocean exploration. Um, And so people are realizing that we know very little about what makes up the majority of this planet. And as a professor I worked with once stated, the ocean is the life support system of planet Earth. And so I I think it behooves us if we want to continue to live on this planet to know what's down there. And that's part of why I enjoy doing this. I'm you know, started in 1982 and to be this deep into my career and have something that's different every day. And it's really challenging and it's really engaging and it gives me an opportunity to give back. That's and I love working with technology, of course, as well. So that's that's where this just seems like a perfect fit for me at this point in my career and getting to use great tools like this. Well, Ed, I really want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on this topic. It was honestly a real treat to get to learn more about video production in extreme environments, what the market is looking like, and really what makes you and your team passionate about delivering on some really stressful but rewarding content day in and day out. So, Ed, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to bringing you back on. Your niche expertise are definitely going to come in handy. 